Proverbs 29, 2 Corinthians 4. In Proverbs, the 29th chapter, we'll notice just this uh, 18th verse. Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Well, you can see several things from this verse. First of all, the most obvious that a major reason why people perish is because they have no vision. And obviously, if you're going to be happy, you must not be perishing, right? And if you're not perishing, you must have a vision. And we see the source of the vision, he keepeth the law. Now, we today we don't just have the law, the prophets, we have the whole word of God. We've got the New Covenant, the New Testament. Gospel accounts, epistles to the church, etc. And so you could just sum it up by saying, if you keep the word, you'll be happy. Or as other translations say, you'll be blessed. How many want to be happy and blessed? Is that right? <clears throat> and if you're happy and blessed, you must be, vic- be being victorious. You must not be perishing, right? And so if you're not perishing, you must have a vision. And having the vision came right back to the, the latter part that he said of keeping the word. Can you understand that if you keep the word, you have a vision? And so we've been talking all this week about having a vision of victory. And we've been talking about how that faith and vision are inseparable. You show me someone who has faith and is in faith and has success in faith, and I'll show you somebody that has a vision. They're inseparable. And we actually said this, and we'll elaborate on a little bit more as we go, but but your faith actually produces your vision. Your faith will work to construct and to build the blueprint of your vision, whatever your vision may be. And it's possible to have a wrong vision. It's possible to have too small a vision. It's possible to have no vision to speak of. But God wants us to have the right vision. Can you say amen? Amen. Look look at me with our other scripture, please. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, He said, While we look not at the things which are seen, But, or you could say it like this, but we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He talks about two uh, kinds of looking, doesn't he? He said we don't look at the things that are seen. Now that doesn't mean that you don't use your eyes and pay attention to what you're seeing and Look both ways before you cross the railroad track. <clears throat> you understand what I'm saying? 
and uh, use your head and use your eyes and use your ears and use your senses. But what is he saying? He's saying we don't base our faith and our life on what we see, naturally speaking. But we base our believing, we base our convictions on the things that are not seen. And he talks about seeing things that are not seen. He mentions two kinds of seeing here. He mentions a natural seeing and he mentions a spiritual seeing. Now, seeing is one of our senses. You know, it's oftentimes you hear about the five physical senses. What are they seeing, hearing, taste, touch, smell? Seeing is one of those physical senses. But you understand that you're not just a physical being. You're a spirit being. And you live in a body. Did you understand that you have, uh, that your spirit has senses? Actually, the senses that your body have are patterned after the senses of your spirit. Did you ever think about that? You see, if you, uh, he talks about seeing uh, physically. Well, in order to see physically, you have to have a sense of sight. Right? Well, if he tells you the, to see spiritually and to look at things in the spirit realm, which is the unseen realm, unseen to the natural eye, not unseen to the spiritual eye. You know, sometimes we, we need to, it sounds like technicalities and detail, but sometimes you need to differentiate. For instance, we talk about unknown tongues. Well, uh, in one sense of the word, I mean, uh, there is no such thing as an unknown tongue. Somebody knows it. God knows them all. Is that right? But what we're talking about is that the tongue is unknown to you. Right? To the speaker. And so when we talk about the unseen realm, that just simply means you can't see it with these eyes. But does that mean that it can't be seen? No. If it's a spiritual realm, then it could be seen with spirit eyes. Just like you've got a sense of uh, sight physically, you have a sense of sight spiritually. You know, I've heard Brother Hagin talk about this. He's had some tremendous experiences and visions. And in reading the Scriptures, you remember Paul talks about, over in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about an experience of an individual that's caught up to the third heaven. Remember that? And remember what he said? He said, whether in the body or out of the body, he couldn't tell. Now, many people believe that Paul's talking about experience he had himself. And from the things that he said, it sounds like he's talking about himself. But, you, but, but just take that phrase, whether in the body or out of the body, he couldn't tell. What does that mean? What does that let us know? That your spirit, apart from your body, things must seem very much like they do when you're in the body. Well, if you couldn't see or hear or smell or touch or taste, well, that wouldn't be like it is in the body. Right? So there are, there's a sense, spiritually, like there's a sense physically of seeing. 
And we've been talking about having a vision, not just seeing naturally, but seeing spiritually. Seeing spiritually. Now, there are different degrees of the seeing that we're talking about. Uh, there's a manifestation of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 called discerning of spirits. Discerning. That word discerning uh, can mean a couple of different things depending on the context of the, the Scripture. Uh, discern can literally mean to see. And it can also mean to understand. And we use both of those words. You know, if you're talking to somebody and... Uh, you, you ask them a question, do, do you see that? And they say, yeah, I see that. That doesn't necessarily mean that they had a, fell in a trance, you know. Actually saw into the spirit realm. And yet they had a seeing of sorts. There was a revelation. And the word revelation means that which is revealed. There was something made manifest to them and shown to them. Manifest means that which is, you know, uncovered and that which is shown and seen. So, uh, it is possible if God willed that he would give us a manifestation of discerning the spirits where we would actually, literally, see into that unseen realm. The realm that we can't see with our natural eyes. We'd see it. You know, if your eyes were opened right here today, you'd see that there are angels here. You understand? You might even see the enemy trying to do some things. Sitting on somebody's shoulder telling them, no, that's not right. No, 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 believe this lie. No, it's not God's will to heal you. No, no, you don't have enough faith. Understand what I'm saying? You, you'd see things because uh, there are realities. Spiritually. But most of the time we're not going to see in the spirit realm, God didn't intend that we should. He intends that we walk by faith. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if you if you lived and died and never had a manifestation of discerning the spirits where you actually saw into the realm of the spirit, saw an angel, saw the similitude of God or whatever, uh, if you never had that, that wouldn't mean that you were unspiritual. It wouldn't mean anything's wrong with you. You understand? And folk that are seeing things two or three times a week, <laughs> stay away from them. That's the usual thing. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of folk claiming they see all kind of things. And uh, they're just, uh, they're, they're wrong. They're operating in the wrong way. Sometimes have an overactive imagination. Sometimes uh, are pushing, trying to see things. And if you push too hard, the enemy can accommodate you with some stuff. It's not right. It's not God. It can confusion cause you a lot of problems? No, God intended we walk by faith. That means most of the time we're not going to we're not going to actually see and hear into that realm. We're just going to walk in this realm, and but we walk by faith, knowing what's in that realm, knowing that God is real, even though we don't see Him with our eyes, touch Him with our hand. You understand? Knowing that angels are real, even though we don't touch them, we and we operate uh, knowing that they're real and knowing that. The spirit, spiritual reality, realities are real. Walking by faith. But sometimes God will allow individuals to look into that realm, particularly those who stand in the ministry gift of the prophet. You understand? That in, in days of old, the prophet was called seer. Seer was one of the outstanding characteristics of that ministry. 
And that's because the prophet would see. How many remember when uh, uh, the enemy king sent to get Elisha? And his servant saw that the city was surrounded and came back and said, Oh, my master, what are we going to do? And Elisha was just cool as could be. And uh, he said, there's more with us than to be with them. See, he's a prophet. He's a seer. He's seeing some things other people don't usually see. And somebody that really stands in the ministry gift of the prophet, which there's a lot of people that claim to that don't. You understand that? But it doesn't do away with the real ministry. But a person who does stand fully in that ministry, they'll be a bit odd. Because they're all time perceiving things and seeing things and hearing things that other people don't see. Now that's, that's not all wonderful and glamorous either. Now you listening. I've read after different ones and heard different ones that I believe it truly did stand in that place. And uh, they said that there were points in their life where they saw a lot of things and understood a lot of things they, they'd rather not know. They would rather not know. You know, let's say they're having a festive time and a holiday gathering and just have to look over at somebody and, and get a revelation that they're not going to be here much longer. You understand what I'm saying? You, you know, get, uh, be, be involved in this and, and know somebody and, and be fellowshipping with them and all at once get a revelation of something uh, that, uh, you know, that, that get insight into the person's life that affects your fellowship with them. I heard somebody asking the pastor, Kenneth Hagin Jr., uh, some years ago about was, you know, was he claiming his father's mantle? And uh, he said, no, he didn't want it. <laughs> Not that particular ministry gift. He said he lived with the man. He knew how much it cost. And I don't know how come he to get in all that. But, but anyway, we're talking about seeing. Is that right? And the prophet was the seer. And you remember that, uh, that Elisha, the prophet, said, there's more with us than be with them. And the guy looked at him like, what do you mean? There's just two of us. And, and there's a crowd of them. And, and the Lord, excuse me, uh, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open the young man's eyes. Well, his natural eyes were open. Weren't they? I mean, he was seeing all too well in the natural. I mean, he's, he's scared. He's upset at what he sees with these natural eyes. And see, he is looking at things seen, isn't he? But when Elisha prayed that, then the Lord did open his eyes and he saw, apparently what Elisha had seen, that the whole mountains round about him were filled with the host of God, chariots and horses of fire. My, my, my. Now, here's something, even though these spirit beings, these angels, even though they are spirit beings and unseen with the natural eye, that doesn't mean they can't have any effect on the natural realm. They most certainly can. You understand? And so he got a glimpse into that unseen realm. A glimpse into the realm of the spirit. It's real. 
There are two dimensions or two realms, the natural and the spiritual, and they're very, very real. And when a person dies, they step right into that dimension. They don't cease to exist. And they're aware and they have senses, spiritual senses, just like you have physical senses. And we said there are two kinds of seeing. We said also that there are two sources of vision. God is always endeavoring to give to you a vision of victory, isn't he? He wants, to, he wants you to see the triumph that you have in Christ right now. He wants you to know, like Paul prayed for the saints at Ephesus, he prayed that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ would be upon them, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they'd know what's the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Yeah. Amen. He, he, he said, Lord, uh, let them see, let them know, let them get a vision inside of them of what Christ has done for them. What Christ has bought and paid for. What Christ has accomplished. What Christ has given. And that's one of the main reasons we ought to feed on the Word all the time. Particularly in the New Testament ought to feed to find out and get a vision in us of who we are in Christ. What we have in Christ. What we can do in Christ. Because that, if you get a vision of that, you will have a vision of you having all things that pertain to life and godliness. Being blessed with all blessings. You will have a vision of you being worthy in the sight of God. Cleansed, righteous, holy, sanctified. You'll get a vision of you being able to do all things through Him who strengthens you. I said, so the devil does not want you to get that vision. Because if you get that vision in you, your faith will produce that vision outwardly. So the devil will fight you continuously. I said, God wants to get that vision of victory. He wants to get that vision of you in Christ, in you. But the enemy has another vision he wants to get in you. He wants to get within you a vision of failure, a vision of you being insignificant, a vision of you being ignorant and carnal and just a flop and a failure at everything. Don't have anything. Don't know anything. Can't do anything. Are nothing. You understand? He wants to get you continually focused in on the wrong thing and get a vision of you going down, down, down. Of you being useless, not bearing any fruit. Of you getting sicker and sicker and dying. Of you getting poorer and poorer and just failing. That's the vision that the enemy is always trying to get inside you. And we said to you, that whatever vision you have inside of you, that's what your faith is going to work on to produce outside. And if you want changes outside, first you've got to make changes inside. Before you're going to have it out here, you've got to see yourself with it in here. Amen. Isn't that what the Bible talks about in Mark eleven twenty four? What things serve you desire? When you pray, do what? Believe that you receive them. Let's just stop right there. He said, if you believe you receive them, you'll have them. Now, when he says believe you receive them, is he talking about the natural realm? No, no. That's in your heart. That's in the spirit. Believe you receive them. And then when he says you shall have them, what realm is that? That's natural. That's right here. Feeling in your hand. Is that right? Experiencing in your body. Well, if you believe that you've received it, then wouldn't that be the same thing as you see in yourself with it now? 
Is that right? I mean, if you believe that you've received, then that means that at that moment, then after that, you see yourself with this thing. As far as you're concerned, you got it. Now, you don't see it out here yet, but in here, you see yourself with it. And until you see yourself with it in here, you're not going to have it out here. And I don't just mean wishing that we would get it. No, I mean you see yourself with it. You can see yourself with it already. You can see yourself doing it already. You can see yourself being that already. Now, it may not just happen by the next day. But if you'll conceive a vision of it inside of you and then begin to believe, your faith will produce your vision. Can you see why God wants to get a vision inside of you? Can you see why without a vision people perish? Can you see why the enemy always wants to get a vision in you? Because he wants to reproduce you after himself. So he wants to put his vision in you. Now we talked about that you become what you behold. If you just back up to this third chapter of 2 Corinthians and look at this again. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3 17. It said, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all with open face Beholding as in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God forever. Without anything over your face, he talks about looking like you're looking at a mirror. And what is he talking about looking at? Looking at the glory of the Lord. Now, if you skip down to verse 6 of the next chapter, 4-6, he said, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where are you going to see the glory of God? The face of Jesus Christ. Where are, you going to, where are you going to be able to look in the face of Jesus Christ? The perfect law of liberty... The written word will help to unveil and reveal to us the living word. I understand that by the Spirit of God in this book you can see Him. Is that right? And then of course Him just revealing Himself to you by His Spirit as well. You know, over in John 14, I believe it is, uh, in the Amplified, uh, He talked about that Jesus said that the person who loved Him would keep His commandments. And that person, God, would come to them and make himself known to them, would reveal himself to them, would make himself real to them. Glory to God. Well, I mean, if God's revealing himself and making himself manifest to us and showing himself, we're seeing something. Right? We're seeing him. We're seeing him. Now, as you're looking into, uh, into the, as in the mirror that the glory of God, he said you would, what would happen to you? You'd be changed. Now, what are you going to be changed into? The same image. What image? The image you're looking at. You're changed into what you're looking at. You're becoming what you're beholding. 
Is that right? And you'll be changed. Now, will it, did he say it just happened all in one moment of time? No, it'll happen from glory to glory. And it'll happen by the Spirit of the Lord. People spend too much time looking in the natural mirror. And not enough time looking into this mirror. <laughs> if you just look in the natural mirror, then that's what you got a vision of. And if you got a vision in here of the same thing that you see out here, how are things going to be? Just the same. They're going to stay that way. Is that right? And then what usually happens, the enemy will talk you into having a vision of getting worse. You understand what I'm saying? And then if you get a vision inside here of being worse than you are out here, then the outward is going to gravitate down to match the inward. But what if God could get inside you a vision of you being a lot better in here than what you are out here? Then your faith would work to bring your outward up to the inward. Can you see that? Hold your place right here. Go to James, the first chapter. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And notice this. In James 1, verse 21. James 1, 21. He said, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now there's more involved in the saving of the soul than just being born again. So a lot of times that's what people think of when they read that. But you understand you're a spirit being. You have a soul and you live in a body. You understand that? When you're born again, your spirit's recreated. But how many understand that your soul needs to continually be renewed? Is that right? And the salvation of your soul, now, you have to listen carefully to this. Now, people could run off and get a wrong idea of what I'm saying. But the salvation of your soul is ongoing. Salvation is not just a static thing. Do you know that the salvation of your body is yet to come? Total salvation of your body. We can enjoy the first fruits of our inheritance here and now, which includes healing, strengthening, but that doesn't keep us from getting old and dying. So we still got a problem, is that right? But God has already bought and paid for the total salvation, not just of our spirit, not just of our soul, but of our body. One of these days, our body is going to be saved. Recreated. Just like our spirit became a new creature, our body will become a new creature. New creation. Some of you are looking at me with question marks over your head. But, but uh, don't just throw it away. Think about it. Think about it. And, you know, when you got born again, elements of your soul, like your mind and your emotional realm, weren't recreated. You got the same mind. After you got saved, you had before, and you could think the same old stuff if you wanted to. 
And just because you got saved doesn't mean that, that, you know, one day you're lost, next day you get saved. Now you think 100% just like God does. No, no, no. You understand? But if you'll receive with meekness, meekness, now see, that's the key. See, if you're haughty and proud, then you won't receive the word properly and it won't change you. But if you receive with meekness the engrafted word, you got to get it in you. It's got to become engrafted. It's got to become a part of you. And if you will, it'll work to the saving of your soul. He says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Now that's the same exact illustration that's used over there in 2 Corinthians 3. Like a man looking in a mirror. The King James says glass, but it's talking about mirror. We'd say today, mirror. For he beholdeth himself. Now what do we say? You become what you behold. He beholdeth himself, and he goeth his way, and straightway what? Forgetteth what manner of man he was. He forgot what he saw. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, Continueth there. Now he looks and he keeps on looking and he remembers. And tomorrow he's looking at it. And the next day he's looking at it. Can you see that? He doesn't just look and leave and forget. He looks and remembers and looks and remembers and looks and remembers and keeps it in front of him. That sounds a lot like the instructions for taking God's medicine over in Proverbs 4. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What else did he say? Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. What's he saying? Keep them in front of you. Keep looking at them. Behold them. That's one reason why sometimes people don't get the results that they ought to get. Because they just glance at something and they go right back into what they were doing. Even if they're sitting in a service and they get a good revelation of truth, they look at it and they go, oh yeah, yeah, and they get excited about it, but then they go and they forget. And slip right back into what they were doing, how they were thinking. And that's being a hearer and not a doer. That's being a forgetful hearer. And it's easy to do. Man, it's easy to do. I mean, I, you know, have you ever experienced where you're in a good service and the Spirit of God's moving? Or, or maybe you just by yourself reading your Bible at home or something or a good time of prayer and, and, and maybe you got your eyes closed or maybe you, it's not so much that you uh, see something with your physical eyes but God shows you some things. You see some things. How He sees you. How He wants your life to be. And it can be so real to you and you can see it so clearly but did you know you can leave that place and you can get your mind on other things and years can pass. Without you remembering that. And then it come up again in another service maybe a year later. And you think, yeah, God showed me that same thing way back here. Yeah, but it didn't do you any good. And you haven't, you haven't been conformed one whit more into that image because you forgot it. So you haven't made the changes that past year that you should have in that area because you did not continue to look at it. And behold it. And keep it. You know we talked last week about. I believe it was last week. About esteeming things. Properly. 
And I'm telling you, the Lord has reminded me and reminded me about this area about so many times God is showing us the thing that's going to change our life. He's telling us the thing that's going to answer our, our problem. But we look at it and go, yeah, praise God, that's good. And then we just go right off and forget it. We don't esteem it like we should. We don't realize, hey, this is it. This is it. Keep your eyes on this. Keep this in your mouth. Do this and your life will change. And I'm so thankful how merciful the Lord is. How He'll tell you again and again. He'll show you again and again. And He's so merciful and that's so good. But the thing is, while He's having to show us again and again, during that time we're not progressing and developing like we should be. We're delaying our progress. Because we're forgetting I think that's one of the greatest weaknesses human beings have, is they forget. They forget. I mean, isn't that what the Bible talks about? Uh, you know, that uh, the Spirit helps our infirmities. Is that right? Among other things there in Romans, it says we don't know what we should pray for. As well, we don't know that's a, that's a weakness. But also one of the reasons God sent Him to us was to bring all things to our remembrance. Is that right? Because He knew, dear Lord, we needed it. We needed help major time. But you know, even with the Spirit of God's help, you've got, it's got to be important enough to you that when He shows you something that you say, hey, I, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm not going to let myself forget this. I mean, we do in other areas, don't we? If something's important to us, I mean, we'll write it. We'll post notes. We'll stick something on our mirror. Is that right? Tie a string on your finger. What You know, if it's important to you, you will see to it that you remember it. And you come right back to esteeming things properly. More than once, I've actually had the, the Spirit of God prompt me. He'd show me something. And I'd sit there and, th and say, oh man, that's good. That's good. And then just go on. And the Spirit of God prompt me and, uh, and say, didn't, didn't you appreciate that? And I thought, well, yeah. He said, not enough apparently to even write it down. You know how quickly you can forget it. But the Spirit of God has said that to me more than once. I'll just be honest. He has. He, more than once. He told me that. He said, didn't you appreciate me giving you that? And I said, well, yeah. He said, apparently not that much. You didn't even make an effort to try to write it down or keep it before you. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can, we can become ungrateful. God gives us so much. He shows us so much and blesses us with so much that we just begin to get negligent and think, oh yeah, praise God, that's great. And then three minutes later, we've forgotten it. Well, how does that change your life then? Not at all. I said, not at all. Because what you forget is not going to change your life. You're not looking at it anymore. And you're only going to become what? What you behold. When I say behold, I don't mean what you glanced at. Right? That's what he's talking about. You glance at it and forget it. It's not going to change your life. You got to keep it before you. I said you got to keep it before you. Oh, friend, the Spirit of God's speaking this afternoon. He's speaking to hearts. I know it. You got to keep it in front of you. So many of us, God has shown us things. Some of us, even some years back. And if we'd have kept it in front of us continuously, we'd be further down the road now than what we are. But because folk have been, actually it just comes right down to laziness. Been so negligent 
so forgetful. You know, lots of people blame a lot of things on forgetfulness, don't they? <laughs> they weren't where they should have been. They didn't do what they should have done, and they just look at you like and say, "I, I forgot." And that and that's supposed to be a totally acceptable excuse. And the person's supposed to go, "Oh, oh, you forgot." Oh, well, in that, I understand. Sure, you know, you forgot. You're not really responsible. Because you forgot. But did you know that we are responsible? I said, did you know that we are responsible? Why? Because you remember what's important to you. Just, it's truth. You remember what's important to you. If it's, if it's not that important to you, you know, then you don't remember it. There's a lot of things I don't, I don't remember. They're not important to me. People ask me, well, do you, you know, they, some people that ask me certain things, they might think, man, man, he, he didn't have much of a memory. But the thing is, uh, it wasn't important to me. Just not important to me. But things that are important to me, I have a great memory. I can tell you the details on it. Because it's valuable to me. It's important to me. And what ought to be the most important to us? Anything God says to us. Anything He shows us. Is that right? Ought to be precious, precious, precious. And we ought to treat it like that. And you will treat things the way you see them. You'll treat people the way you see them. Now I'm still talking about seeing, am I not? How do you, how you see that person? You know, it's, it's sad that so many times people have to lose people before they see them right. How many understand that Jesus in his own hometown, he came to minister to them and he read from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me. And uh, he's telling them, basically, you know, I, I'm sent, I'm the fulfillment of this scripture. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. I'm anointed. I'm a minister, sent of the Lord, anointed, a prophet, the one who was to come. Many things he's saying there. But did they see him that way? No. They saw him, you know, and they begin to murmur and say, you know, this is Joseph's boy. Carpenter's son. In other words, who's he saying he's anointed? He, he's not even a seminary graduate. He's never even been to school. He's had no rabbinical training. He, he's just a carpenter's son. Uh, you know, we know, we know his whole family. He grew up around here. Who's he saying he's anointed? And what did the Bible say? He could there do no mighty works. Say he laid his hands on a few sick people. The implication is that they, they didn't have that much wrong with him because it wasn't a mighty work. There were no mighty works there. So apparently the works that were did happen weren't that mighty. <laughs> right? And why was Jesus' ministry so hampered and so limited? Because of the way they saw him. But I'm telling you, how people see you as a minister makes a huge difference Amen. in what kind of ministry you have. 
how you're able to minister. How, what you're able to do. What kind of utterance you have. Man, I've seen it. I've seen it so vividly and so clear. I go to a lot of different places. And I have been to certain churches where that they didn't respect me and didn't esteem me. And man, it's tough. You, you can't do much. Utterance is not very good, not very strong. You know, I've gone to other places where people highly respected me, believed that I was a minister, believed I was anointed, believed that God used me. And oh man, you just start operating in things the first night or two. Just, you understand what I'm saying? You, and it's not just that I didn't turn into a different person from week to week. If it would limit and affect the ministry of the Master, how they saw him, then certainly it's going to affect any of us. Is that right? And that's not just true concerning ministry. That's true concerning everyone. I said sometimes people have to lose a loved one before they see them right. You know, uh, uh, the enemy wants you to forget the good points about those close to you. And he only wants you to focus in and talk about the bad points. Did you know that? Do you know that you need to remind yourself and you need to continually vocalize what you like about the people you love and people that are around you? Husbands, wife, children, parents, grandparents, friends, brothers, sisters. You understand what I'm saying? People, particularly people that you spend a lot of time around. Because it's so easy if you spend a lot of time around somebody, it's so easy to judge them after the flesh. And there's a tendency, just a natural tendency, to not say the good and say the bad. And just and just say tell the person, well, you know, you know that I, I like you this and that. We don't talk about that. But but no, you should. You should think about, you should remember, and you should vocalize what you like about the people around about you. Because if you don't, what you don't vocalize and keep in mind, you will forget. And when you're forgetting it, you forget. You know, there's people, it doesn't take them too long. They forget why they married that individual. That's right, it's happened. It's happened a lot. They forget why that they had this person as their friend. Why? Because they have failed to keep before them, they have failed to keep before their eyes the good things. And I have seen people, now listen to me carefully, I've seen people that treated a spouse or a loved one Badly. They treated them badly. Actually took advantage of them, ignored them, even abused them in some ways. And then when they lost them, and they got distance between them and that person, and not by not being around them, now they're made aware of all the good things that they did and all the things that they almost tried to make them a, a saint, you see, as far as deifying them. Oh, they were so wonderful and they were so this. Yeah, but that's not how they talked while they were there. <laughs> Happens all the time. Why? Because the devil wants you to see other people 
wrongly. He wants to see them, he wants you to see the other person as being unspiritual, dumb, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, failing, unfaithful, untrusted. He, he wants you to see all the bad because the way you see people is going to directly determine how you treat them. Now the Bible says over in 1 Corinthians 2 that the things of God are spiritually discerned. Remember that? Discern means to see and to understand. And he that is spiritual discerns all things, but he himself is discerned of no one. That word could be translated see. The spiritual person sees all things, but they themselves are not seen. And you know, the more you understand in these areas, you can tell so much by how somebody treats this person or that person. You can tell volumes. Volumes. They're telling off on themselves right and left and they don't even know it. Because how they treat this person shows how they see that person. And that reveals whether they're seeing the truth or whether they're believing lies. Or, you understand what I'm saying? Whether they're deceived or walking in truth. You, you just watch how people take care of themselves. I said you treat a thing based on the way you see it. You treat, uh, you know, just take, take an object, take a car. If you see a car as just, uh, you know, just a piece of metal, then you treat it a certain way. If you see it as a work of art, then you treat it another way. Is that right? Is that right? Same thing with internet. If you, you know, if you see a house as just a place to stay, you treat it one way. If you see a house also as a work of art, as a thing of beauty, as an experience to, living in a house is experience to be savored and enjoyed, then you treat it differently. If you see your wife as the woman that does your laundry and, and has your babies, and, you still what I'm saying? Then you treat her like that. If you see her as a wonderful, beautiful, gracious, gorgeous, rare treasure, amen, then you treat her differently. If you see, if you see your husband as the, the man who works and brings in the check and <laughs> makes a mess in the bathroom, <laughs> is that what I'm saying? And what, whatever the case might be, then you treat him a certain way. If you see him as your man, handsome, smart, sharp, amen, leader of your family, you understand what I'm saying? The way you see him is going to be the way you treat him. See him wrong, you're going to treat him wrong. See her wrong, you'll treat her wrong. You understand that? The way you see your parents affect how you treat them. I've seen, I've seen young people. I just wanted to grab them and slap them. Hard. <laughs> because 
You could tell by the way they treated their parents that they are embarrassed. Because their parents didn't have a lot of education. Because their parents, you know, came across this way or that way. You could tell that they were poor, uneducated, or what have you. And so this child of theirs kind of treats them like, you know, well, not even really want to kind of acknowledge that they're my parents. Look, if that lady hadn't carried you for those months, took care of you, and if they hadn't changed your dirty diapers, sacrificed so you could go to school and get a better education than they had, you understand what I'm saying? You would have nothing. You wouldn't even be here. I mean, the Bible teaches very strongly to honor one's parents. But see, you're going to honor something or someone only because of the way you see them. You see them as important. You see them as essential. You see them as valuable, honorable. You're not going to treat someone with honor unless you see them the right way. The reason people snub people and and do certain things and treat people like inferiors is because they see them as inferiors. They see them as unimportant. I mean, there's all kind of people in this world. They see all kind of masses of people as disposable. Oh, but God sees each human soul as precious beyond price of gold or silver. Do you understand? How can a man How can a woman take another person's life in an inner city alley for $12 unless their vision of humanity is so warped, so perverted, they see 12 crumpled pieces of paper as more valuable than a living human being. See, they see nothing at all like God sees. They don't see anything like God sees. God's thoughts are in these words. And as we feed on these words, He opens our eyes. We begin to see what He sees. There's a prayer I've prayed for years, and I continue to pray it just ever so often. The Lord will bring it to me again. And I've I've prayed it for years with all heartfelt uh, sincerity. I say, Lord... Help me to see things through your eyes. Everything. Everybody. Everything. Every situation. Help me to see things the way you see them. Lord, I, I want my perspective to be your, like your perspective. I want your perspective to become my perspective. I want your priorities to become my priorities. I want to see things through your eyes. I want to see them the way you see them because the way you see them is right. You understand that? Praise God. Hallelujah. You guys listen so good. I just talk and talk and talk. But I believe God's, I believe that God's speaking to us. I, I really do. Now just for a few minutes here, I want to talk to you about how to get the right vision in you. How to get the right vision. We've been talking about it here and there. If you were listening, you, you'd have got some things. But let's just restate them and say them very pointedly. Go with me to Joshua, if you would. First chapter. And let's begin talking about how to get the right vision in you. How to get the vision of victory. 
how to conceive within you the vision. Does any of us in here need to receive and conceive a vision? Everyone. Somebody said, well, I've already received some vision. Yeah, but you haven't got the whole thing. No, no, you probably got a whole, less, a whole lot less than you think you have, you see, compared to what's available to have. We've already talked about some yesterday about why sometimes people don't have more of the vision that, than they do. But let's talk about getting the right vision inside you. In Joshua, chapter 1, we'll begin here at the first, chapter, first verse of the first chapter. Joshua 1. One. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said to Moses. <coughs> From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, under the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, I will not forsake thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now let's just stop right here before we go any further. Can you see what God is doing here with Joshua? What's he doing with him? He's endeavoring, of course he's been working on this before now, but he's endeavoring to just to consummate some of these things. What kind of vision does he want in Joshua? He, he wants a vision in Joshua that he will be able to go and take the land and that nobody and nothing can stop him. No man can stand before him. God is with him. Is that right? A vision of victory over every obstacle, every enemy. Can you see that? I'm telling you, when God can get a vision like that in a man or a woman... There ain't enough demons in hell that can stop them. There ain't not enough people, you know, with wrong ideas that can hold them back. But now getting that vision in them can be challenging. <laughs> I said, but if he can get that vision, that kind of vision in somebody and keep it in them, my Lord, there's nothing. Nothing impossible to that kind of person. There's nothing too big, no enemy that can stop, no hindrance that can prevent. Listen to what he's telling Joshua. Can you see that he's giving him words? And if Joshua will receive and embrace these words, it'll paint a picture inside him. It'll give him a vision of him going into this promised land and taking every foot of it. Possessing the whole thing. He said, God told him, he said, there shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
I want to just stop right there. You know, a lot of times I've had people tell me or write to me or whatever and say, you know, I, I, God told me this and God told me that, but so-and-so won't do this and, and so-and-so is doing this and, and so-and-so. See, what they're saying in essence is uh, men are standing between me doing God's will. But see, that's not the case. God's no respect to a person. What he did for Joshua, he'll do for you. You understand? But you got some basic things here. Number one, sometimes what people think needs to happen is just their vision. That's not God's vision. They think somebody needs to move over so they can do this or that. They think somebody needs to get out of the way so they can take their place. And that's just their vision got nothing to do with God then he'd just humble himself and get rid of that you understand what I'm saying but on the other hand if there is a vision that God has given you and something he wants you to do I want you to understand this that God is God and if he wants you somewhere he can put you there Did you hear me? If he wants you to do something, he can cause you to do it. He's able. And if you'll believe him, he will. Now, it probably won't be the time you think he ought to do it, and it probably won't be the way you think he ought to do it. And you can't tell him how and when. He's God, not you. But if you will believe him, if you will trust him and hold the vision and not let the dream die... He will put you where He wants you to be. He'll cause you to do what He wants you to do. And no man, no man, no one can stand before you all the days of your life. If, if, if you'll get a hold of His vision and believe. All you got to do is just trust God. Let Him do it. Amen. But like I said, now let me back up a little bit. Like I said, sometimes people are claiming, well, I, I need to be at such and such place. I need to be doing such and such thing. I need to, listen, if God wants you there, He can put you there. And the fact that you're not, not there yet might mean, number one, He doesn't want you there. Sometimes people got to, you know, they got to humble themselves and, and realize, hey, God might not want me there. I want me there. But he might not want me there. Or number two, he might want you there, but not now. (laughs) I'm talking about positions. I'm talking about doing things. You understand that? But when it comes right down to it, if you'll believe God, no man can stand before you. He said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong. And of a good courage. For unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Can you see a vision he's trying to get inside? He, he is telling him, he wants Joshua to see himself before they ever get to Jericho. And ever start on it. He wants him to see himself sitting down at the table. The land's already conquered. Dividing it to the different tribes. God says, you are going to do that. You, in your lifetime, right here, you're going to do that. Yeah, if, he, if he's going to do it, he's going to have to do it before he dies, right? 
Can you see he got a vision in him of that? This is what you're going to do. He said, verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper whithersoever you goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We see him talking about getting a vision in him. And we see, can you see one reason why he said, he said, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Why would Joshua be afraid and dismayed and discouraged? It's, if Joshua began to be discouraged and dismayed, what do we know about what he's looking at? The enemy is getting a vision in him of them getting whipped. Is that right? Of them getting defeated. Of them failing. Of them perishing. That's the only reason why you'd be dismayed and discouraged. If you believe you're going to go in there and get it and conquer and not be conquered. And take the whole thing. Well, that's just encouraging. That's something to look forward to. Not something to dread. Right? Now notice the keys, we know them, but let's look at them again. What he told him to do, keep the word of God in his mouth and meditate on it night and day. I know that's not something you've never heard, but I'm telling you that's the, that's the keys right there to getting the right kind of vision in you. What you keep in your mouth affects your mind. What you keep on your mind affects your heart. And that we want to get the right vision in our heart. Right? So we need to make sure that we're physically looking at the right things. Reading the right things. Physically hearing and listening to the right things. Physically speaking the right things. Because that's going to keep the right things on our mind. And if we keep the right things on our mind. The Bible said to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if we keep the right things on our mind, it's going to get in our spirit. But but can you come back to this and understand again? He, this is just like where he's talked about the individual looking in the glass, seeing it, but then turning and forgetting. You can't just look at it. What did he say? This book of the law, the word of God, will not depart out of your mouth. You're going to meditate in it when? All the time. Is that right? Can you see the key to getting a vision in you? It's not just coming in a service like this for a couple of hours. That's not, you won't get a vision just like that. Did you hear that? No, no. It's not even by just going to a convention for a week. Being in morning and afternoon and evening services for five days. Praise God for it. Some good seeds can be sown in you. But is that all there is to you having the right kind of vision in you? No. You take something that you heard, you take something that you saw in those meetings, and now it's your job to keep it in front of you long enough to conceive it inside of you. Oh, do you get that? Did you get that? It's your job 
It's not the preacher's job. Preacher can't do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. Now you can help other people a little bit along this line, especially if you're living with them, or if it's husband or wife, you can be bringing it up often, reminding somebody of it, talking about it. But on in the final analysis, who controls what's on your mind night and day? You do. I said you do. The devil doesn't control what's on your mind. God doesn't control what's on your mind. People don't control what's on your mind. You control what's on. It's a, somebody say, yeah, but I can't help but think it. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Don't say it. Don't, don't believe it. The devil, if you believe that, you believe another lie. You see, the devil's told you a lie. It's your mind. You can think on what you want to think on. Now, if you've got in the habit of thinking on the wrong thing, you, you know, habits are like any other habits that can be hard to break. But you can break the habit of thinking on the wrong thing and you can get renewed in the, in the spirit of your mind and think right. So what's, what's the key to getting that vision inside of you? Read the right things. Listen to the right things. Talk the right things. Those are ways to help keep the right thing on your mind. You understand that? And if you keep the right thing on your mind, then you are seeing that. And you want to see it inside you. You want to be seeing that with the eyes of your heart and spirit and eyes of your understanding. You want to be seeing these certain things long enough. Day in, day out. Week in, week out. Month in, month out. Did you hear me? Until you get firmly implanted within you a vision of you having a certain thing, of you doing a certain thing, of you being a certain thing. And once you get it firmly inside you, I'm telling you, your faith will bring it to pass. Your faith will bring it to pass. It may not happen all at once, but it'll begin to happen. You'll begin to see it outside. After you get it inside, you'll begin to see it outside. And once you get in faith and you get that vision entrenched within you, I'm telling you that when you're in that situation, things that you see outside, you don't bother you that much. Because it looks that way out here. Yeah, but you, you see so clearly inside here another thing. And it helps you so much to, to deal with the contradictory symptoms and the contradictory things, the contradictory reports, because you've, you've, saw, you've already seen it in here. You've already seen the right way, the right thing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know God's been working on me for years. And He has you too if you've been... Listening to him at all. He's been working on me for years. I know one area he's been working on me is in the area of finances. I grew up relatively poor. And if you're not careful when you grow up, you know, poor. Now, when I say poor, we, we didn't starve. We had something to eat. But you understand what I'm saying? We, we weren't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, but, but, uh, my, my parents worked hard. Don't you misunderstand me? They worked hard. But how many of you can work hard and still not have anything? Oh, I mean, work, work, I'm talking about hard. A lot of times the poorest people there are the hardest working people. And that's a tragedy. That ain't right. That ain't right. But just working hard doesn't mean you're going to be prosperous. It takes more than that. 
But if you grow up that way, it's so easy for you to have a poverty mentality. To see yourself not ever having much or not ever being able to do much financial material. You understand? You have a, if you're not careful, you have a low vision. God's been working on me for years. Trying to get a vision in me. And praise God, he's having some success. I, I'm changing. I'm, I'm seeing some things. I, I can see me doing things that I would have never thought of me doing years ago. You understand what I'm saying? Because your vision is growing. I can see me writing big checks. Amen? Amen? Putting them in the offering. Sending them to this place. Paying this off for this person. Taking care of this for this person. Picking up the tab on this. I can see me doing it. I said I can see me doing it. I see it real clear. I mean, I can see the ink wet on the check. I can see the pen. I can see my finger on it. I see it clear. And it'll happen. It'll happen. Now, I saw, I've already been seeing some of those things on a lower level, and it's been happening, and it's happening now in some of those, some of those areas. But you had to see it before you, in here, before you saw it out here. If you're in ministry, you gotta see yourself ministering certain ways. You gotta see it before you, before you see it out here, you gotta see it in here. And sometimes you'll carry things in you for some time before you see it out here, but it's got to be in here before it's going to be out here. Can you say amen? amen? If you're married, you got to get a vision for your marriage. You got to see your marriage at a, you know, at a certain level. So many married people live so far below where they ought to live. God has a plan for your marriage. God wants your marriage to be at a certain level. Amen. Not just tolerating each other. <laughs> Not just putting up with each other. Not just kind of a roommate situation. God has a vision. You understand that? He wants you to live on a high plane. God has a vision for you and Him. In your personal fellowship with Him. Your prayer life. Your, your devotional time. He has a vision. Not just you putting in X amount of minutes or hours reading the Bible or praying. No, He has a vision of you having an experience of Him. Knowing Him. Him being real to you. You knowing Him better. He has a plan. He has a vision. He'll show it to you. More keys to getting this vision. Pray and ask God to give you the vision. The Bible said you have not because you ask not, right? Asking. Pray and asking. And in the asking, seek Him. The Bible said seek and you'll find. Remember that? Seek Him. Seek Him. And just spend time just waiting on the Lord. Just wait on him. Ask him and seek him. So seeking and waiting can go hand in hand, you see. Waiting on the Lord. What are you doing while you're waiting on the Lord? Seeking him about a certain thing. And of course, you don't need to do it just ritualistically, but do it in faith. Expecting him to show you the vision. Expecting him to reveal it to you. Can you see that? Expecting. I'm expecting God to show me more vision. I'm expecting him to increase my vision and show me more of the picture, more of the plan. So I can put my faith on it. So I can hook up with him. Can you say amen? amen? Now finally, don't you turn to Philippians, the fourth chapter. I'll close, man. I've kept you late already again. We'll, we'll sum this up real shortly here. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. 
Finally, we've touched on this earlier, but I just want to, I want to remind you and sum some things up here about how to get a vision in you. Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians 4, notice this down in the, uh, let's see, we'll begin at the 8th verse. Philippians 4, 8. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things be of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these. That's what we've been talking about already, right? You see that? Think on these things. Keep it on your mind. Keep it in your mouth. Keep it in front of you. But now notice he goes on to say, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen, where? In me. In who? Paul. I said, Paul. Who's writing this letter? Of course, we know the Holy Ghost is speaking, but he's speaking through the human instrument of Paul. Paul's writing a letter to this church at Philippi. He, he was there and taught them. He said, those things that you learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them. And the God of peace will be with you. Here's another great key to getting the right vision in you. That's hooking yourself up to the right people. I said hooking yourself up to the right people. Every ministry has a vision. Every church, local church, has a vision. You understand that? People in their Christian pursuits have vision. And they're not all the same. I mean, visions can vary tremendously. And I'm telling you, you can't hook up 100% with four or five different visions. Now, there's a lot of people trying it. But you can't. What you do, you wind up spreading yourself too thin. And you wind up doing a little bit of good here, a little bit of good there, a little bit of good there, and not really a lot of good anywhere. God didn't call you to hook up with everything and to do everything. He didn't. And he didn't call you to embrace every ministry vision. You need to find out who and with what you're supposed to hook up with. Amen. What's supposed to be your major thrust, you see, and give that your all. You understand what I'm saying? Put most of your faith and most of your energy and most of your money and your giving and what have you and most of your thing into the, the main things that God told you to. And not only are you supposed to put that, give that input into it, but see, from your associations, you are beholding them. You're beholding your ministers. You're beholding your pastors. They're sharing with you vision. And what you be whole, you're going to become. Can you see that? Did you know that there are at least three times I know of in the New Testament where Paul said, follow me. Follow me. And that word literally means imitate. Now to imitate means to what? Be like. Do, are we talking about becoming like? Is that right? I mean, at least three times I know of in the New Testament, Paul said, follow me, imitate me. Why? The one place he said, as I follow Christ. Amen. 
But you understand the principle that I'm talking about. You know, it's important. It's important who you associate with and who you fellowship with because if you're looking at them all the time, if you're beholding them all the time, what's the principle going to be at work there? You're going to be becoming like them. It's important who you room with. Your roommates. Certainly important who you marry. Did you hear me? Because you look at them all the time and you listen to them all the time. You understand what I'm saying? I've seen amazing transformations. (laughs) Not all good. I'm thinking of one young lady right now. She's fallen, fallen in love with a certain young man. And nothing wrong with that, but... And nothing, nothing wrong with what I'm about to tell you. Just, I just want you to see something here. And I mean, after a few months, she's talking like this guy. She's acting like, you understand what I'm saying? Acting like this guy. Well, I, I'm just, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. If, if he's acting right. And if he's talking right, I think in most of cases, this particular case, I think most, most of it he was. But do you understand what I'm saying? She's so impressed by him. She she is beholding him so intensely. What's happening to her? She's becoming more like him. You need to watch about your associations. Because the Bible says, He that walks with wise men will be wise himself. A companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil communications corrupt good manners. The New Testament said that's another way of saying, you know, whoever you hang with is going to rub off on you. You look at people. And you know, it's just your associations with people, whether you know them personally or whether you're looking at them from afar. Whether you're looking at them on the TV or the movie screen or reading about them or rubbing elbows with them or whatever. If you associate with them a lot, and you look at them a lot, what's going to happen? You're going to start becoming more like them. So if they're not, if you don't want to be like that person, then you don't need to look at them all the time. You understand what I mean when I say look at them? I don't just mean naturally look at them. Think about them. Mind them. Focus on You understand what I'm saying? Because it's just a law. It's a law. That you become like what you behold. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.